Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. We talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome to Talk Money here on AM 990 and 107.9 The Voice. I'm Keith Quinn in for Jim Shoemaker. We're here every Friday morning for 8 to 9 trying to help you think through the issues that surround how you should deal with your money and how that plays out in your financial lives. We have got a great show for you today. I hope you can stick around for the whole thing. We're going to have David Rochester who is a financial advisor at Shoemaker Financial and David's going to talk to us about some questions that you need to get answered before you retire. These are critically important important things. The sooner you can think about these, the better off you're going to be when you're thinking about your retirement. So David's going to help walk us through that. And then we're going to have Landon Mills in the second half of the show. Now, Landon's also a financial advisor at Shoemaker Financial. And Landon's going to explain to us what we mean when we talk about advisors alpha. Now, alpha is a term of art, something we typically use when we're speaking about investments. It's a way we measure the kind of value that an investment manager might add if they're managing a sleeve of your portfolio. So what does your advisor add? Why is an advisor are valuable to you uh, as an individual. And Landon's going to explain to us a little bit about that. So gentlemen, David, Landon, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, morning, Keith. Guys, you know, we talk an awful lot about the market and we want our clients to understand and not get worried about volatility. So we talk about the problem with the market pulling back. Of course, this year we haven't had any of those problems. So we've had, we have no issues, right? The market hasn't pulled back. We haven't had the typical 5% pullback that we would see. We certainly haven't had a 10% correction. So I guess the market's going to go nowhere but up, right, David? Is that what you tell your clients? Well, let's just say it's been a good time to be invested. Keith. It has been a great time to be invested. If we look at this year, you know, the S&P 500 through last Friday up a little over 15% for the year. International stocks doing even better. Uh, emerging markets doing really well. Obviously, tech stocks doing really well. Well, you know, a lot of these numbers, guys, just uh, just seem like really good. Is that a time that we should be worried? It's a time of anticipation. I got a call yesterday with a client saying, is this going to continue? Well, of course not. It's going to, we'll eventually have some reset and then it'll go up again. The, the market always marches on. Always marches on. And that comes back to, you know, our kind of our fundamental questions. And now we almost have to back up and go to the first one of our fundamental questions. And fundamentally, when we think about the market in the context of of decades, we think, has the market ever gone down? Well, this year, that one might be a little bit of a tougher one to answer. But yes, I can assure you that the market will go down. We will have a 5% correction. We will have, excuse me, a 5% pullback and a 10% correction. Unfortunately, we will also have a 20% bear market. As we know, the average bear market is a 30 percent drop and lasts about 15 months and we haven't had one in an awfully long time so at some point we're due now i say all this in the context of just thinking about valuations we're trying to think are stocks too expensive can they go higher stocks can always go higher the interesting thing about this year is a lot of this and guys we've talked about this uh, with our clients with our listeners that a lot of this is driven by fundamentals you know we had the bounce after the election when a lot of it was about the anticipation of some of the uh, agenda items on president trump Trump's agenda when we think about tax reform, and of course that's the big one we're talking about right now, regulatory reform, all these things that are 
pro-business friendly that could potentially be tailwinds to these great returns that we've had right now still haven't played out yet. So we're kind of looking forward to a little bit of that. Is that one of the things that, that you guys would say is a positive? It is a positive, Keith. But, but here's the big thing I think we see driving the market is that earnings are still beating estimates. Absolutely. So when we look at the great companies in America and around the world that, that, our, um, that our teams are recommending we invest in, those companies are beating their estimates on earnings. And that's just a strong point for the overall market. It's a great point for the overall market. It's a great indicator of the strength of the consumer. And also with earnings being up, but the other side of that is revenues really up. So not only are companies earning more, they're generating more sales, which means consumers are more excited about spending their money, even though we've seen uh, you know, some uh, numbers that would say consumers are still saving as they are. We saw a great number on auto sales. Of course, this was per, uh, post uh, some of the hurricanes. And, and again, those numbers are starting to bleed into the economic numbers. One of the numbers I know we've talked about on the show an awful lot lot has been the employment number. And we saw the non-farm payrolls uh, last Friday came out at negative 33,000. And we typically like to see adding about 150 to 200,000 just to keep pace uh, with the growth of the population. So a negative number is bad, but we understand the negative numbers in the context of the hurricane. So that's the kind of thing that I think we always try to do is, is help people look through the noise and look at the fundamentals. You know, the fundamentals are still fairly supportive uh, of good growth. And again, it's not as much that the U.S. is growing. We saw the, the second quarter GDP number at 3.1%. But internationally, uh, Europe looks so much better than it has on a relative basis for an awful long time. Uh, of course, the emerging market's holding together pretty well. But right now, the whole world's growing, and that's a good thing. That's right. I agree. I, and Keith, <coughs> if, if I could say, I'm glad you used the word fundamental because I feel like that is what it does not get said uh, specifically in the media, right? The media does not talk about the fundamentals. And it's one of those things that when I'm sitting down with a client, I'm always going to go back to, to say, this is the reason when you get the question, will this keep going? Right. Well, let's go back to the fundamentals. What do the fundamentals tell us? Let's not listen to what every other media outlet is saying, good, bad, or indifferent. Let's go back to the basics of what, you know, drives an economy. And so I think it's always going to be the fundamentals. So I'm glad that you bring that up. Well, then I think that is an excellent point, bringing it back to the fundamentals, and it's how we f- frame the question. So, and, and I think, again, another great question that we get from clients, can this keep going? Well, that's an interesting question, but it's an academic discussion, and I would say it's an academic discussion for this reason. Can this keep going is, in a sense, completely irrelevant for your long-term investing plans. If you're thinking in the terms of decades, whether this thing pulls back 5% starting tomorrow is totally irrelevant. Uh, because you will make up those returns. And that comes back to the other parts of our fundamental questions. Has the market dropped? Sure. Has the market always come back? Absolutely. Has it always gone on to set new highs? Well, on Wednesday, all three indexes, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, S&P 500, and NASDAQ Composite, all set new highs. So, yes, it has always come back to set new highs. Will it pull back? Of course. Volatility is normal. But I think, Landon, you're exactly right. Helping us focus on those fundamentals takes away the idea that we're investing in a rigged game, that we're investing in Wall Street, because we're not. We're investing in the good, solid companies of this country and around the world, and we want to own them for a long time. Well, I'd just say this, Keith, back to uh, uh, Lana's point. When we, we're talking about the media, what we're talking about is the noise. The noise. I mean, there's just a lot of noise, and, and we're fortunate today. We've got headphones on as we're on the radio show, and that's to tune out the background noise. That's right. Uh, we need the general public to tune out the background noise as well and stick to the fundamentals. And that's easier said than done because we also live in an age where we have noise 
at our fingertips. That's right. It's constant. Uh, we can always get that, and it's it's easy to get. And you know, it's it, it's one of those things where the the noise that is the loudest is going to get the most attention, and Absolutely. that's the one that we typically uh, listen to the most. And it, it really it's I always say this: it, it's times like these that I, I always like to coach my clients on. You know, this it's it's the market's never going to go up forever. Right. It's never going to go down forever. Right. Uh, history is not indicative of future success, but I have to go back to say it's just like you said. The markets have always hit a high. They've always come back down. They always go back up to hit another high. Right. I, I, can you tell me if that's going to go on for the next twenty years? No, I cannot tell you that. But I have to believe that because it's done it in the past. Well, Lyndon, since we know that's going to happen, why don't we just get out right before the market goes down <laughs> and then get back in at the low point, and then uh, we're going to be great because and, that's that's what we're expected to do. And I right? agree. I agree. If I had a crystal ball, I'd, you know, we'd all be millionaires. And but I like, it, I'd like to borrow your crystal ball. I was going to say, <laughs> if you could sell me that crystal ball, we could absolutely do that. Uh, but that's the thing, and that's the, that's the whole point of, of looking at this through the lens, again, of financial planning, thinking about the long-term investments. Great points, guys. I think the market is, you know, again, it's in an interesting place, but we would always say the best time to be an investor is right now. Uh, can the market go higher? Absolutely. If you're thinking in the terms of your retirement, and we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up after the break, David's going to tell us some retirement questions we need to think about before we hit retirement, and then Landon's going to bring that home to us, how all that translates into why an advisor is valuable to you, the client, and what uh, that value actually means. If you'll stick around, we'll be right back with David Rochester. I am Keith Quinn in for Jim Shoemaker. We are here every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on Talk Money here on AM 990 and 107.9 The Voice. Stick around. We will be right back. iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today, is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money. Keith Quinn, David Rochester, and Landon Mills are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, or registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome back to Talk Money. I'm Keith Quinn in for Jim Shoemaker. And of course, Talk Money is brought to you every week from 8 to 9 by Shoemaker Financial, which has been providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service throughout the Mid-South since 1978. At Shoemaker, it is not about the plan, it's about the results. 
As we've said before, before the break, we're in uh, with David Rochester, Landon Mills. We wanted to talk a little bit about the importance of having a financial advisor, how we would uh, evaluate whether that uh, advisor is actually valuable to you. But some fundamental questions, because one of the biggest things that we plan for, guys, and it's one of the biggest issues that we all have, is how do we plan for that retirement? How do we think about retirement income planning, uh, and what does that really mean in the context of our investments and, again, the planning for our financial lives? So, David, I know you have some points for us about that, but kind of set us up. Tell us a little bit about the, the, the demographics of what we think about when we're talking about baby boomers and we're talking about people entering retirement. Sure, Keith. So I'm on the end of the lagging, uh, lagging end of the baby boomers. Last baby boomer was born in 1964. So, you know, and let me just kind of give a reference here real quick. Uh, Back in 2014, um, Wall Street Journal quoted Senator Rob uh, Portman, who's a Republican from the state of Ohio, and he said, uh, each day 10,000 baby boomers retire and begin receiving Medicare and Social Security benefits. 10,000 per day. Per day. day. And when you look at the math, you think that's nearly impossible. But when you think about it, so if we've got 4 million people that were effectively born between uh, during the time of the baby boomers, sorry, 76 million people, and you divide that by 365 days by the number of years we're talking about from uh, uh, 1946 to 1964, that actually is closer to 11 million people per day. 11,000. Excuse me. No. Ele- yeah, 11,000 people. Yeah, sorry, 11,000 yeah. 11, people per day that could be retiring who are going to start drawing on their pensions, their Social Security income, applying for Medicare. So that could have a big effect on what's going on in the near future. And we've heard the threats, we're going to run out of money, or you know, Social Security going to go uh, bankrupt, is Medicare going to be able to? So, yeah, is, is that a concern? It should be. But the bigger thing is, when we think about this, with all of these people retiring, all these people starting to draw on benefits, is there going to be adequate income to last them the rest of their lives? Right. Okay. So thinking back to the old ads that we used to see, you know, what's your number? You're saying that's not necessarily the thing that you want to be thinking about. I absolutely say that. I think the thing we've got to focus on is what's your income. So, you know, we're talking about markets, market volatility, the ups and downs. Well, what I've real, what I've come to realize over the years is those people who have adequate income, they're not in threat of their job being lost or of their income being lost, are much more tolerant when we see market volatility. The same happens during retirement. One big thing happens when we retire. Our job, mm. right? right? We're no longer going in day-to-day and earning that paycheck, but we still have bills. Those bills did not change. In fact, they may go up, may go down some, but those bills will remain the same. Right. So we've got to have a method, a process for making sure those bills are met, and that's a source of income. I think that is a, a great point, and I think a lot of people confuse the two between the number that you need to save for retirement and what's critically important is thinking about what the income that you actually need in retirement right. is. Right. I think we tend to focus on what's what's my dollar amount. Right. What's my is, dollar What's amount? my total portfolio worth? And as you said earlier, it's somewhat irrelevant. It should be, is my income adequate to meet all my needs and the things that I want to be able to do in the future for myself, travel, purchases, my family, those type of things. Gotcha. Well, now, David, I know that you have six questions. We want to talk about these six questions that we need to ask before we retire. And question number one, how critical is it to have the exact right investments in your retirement portfolio? Now, obviously, I'm the director of investments at Shoemaker Financial, so I would say this is the only thing that matters, having the exact right investments in your investment portfolio. Is that correct? Uh, No, it's not. And I wouldn't want to throw you under the bus, Keith, because you do a great job. But I would say uh, that's not your most important decision. It is a very important decision that you have the right mix. What's really more important is that, first of all, we, we kind of step back and think, 
back to the income part, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep saying it's about the income, it's about the income, right? Um, so when we're retired, it's less about the allocation, although that's important. It's about how are we generating that sustainable source of income? And, and here's and here's why I say it's not the most important for most of Americans. In fact, almost two thirds of Americans, their source of income is going to be primarily Social Security. It makes up more than half of their total income. All right, more than half of their income, right. Social Security. So okay. less. So what would be more important is is how you apply for Social Security. When you apply for Social Security, and the same could be said of pensions, you know, that we know there's a long-term effect of making a bad choice. And we'll talk about the benefits of Social Security and why the timing is so important. Well, before we go to Social Security, I want to back up one second. And you had mentioned that asset allocation is not the most critical decision. Now, tell our, client, our listeners what asset allocation truly means. Okay, so what we're talking about there is, is that there's, there's we use the term asset classes or asset allocation. Right. Uh, that could be across the broad spectrum of stocks, bonds cash and alternatives. On a more micro aspect, it could be divisions of that. So if we're talking about stocks or stock funds, right. then we may be saying large U.S. companies, large international companies, mid-sized and small-sized U.S. companies. So what we're doing is we're recommending that you buy into those things that have appreciation, all right? Right. Whereas if you're buying into a more fixed income side, bonds, fixed investments like uh, fixed annuities and so forth, CDs, those are uh, instruments more generated towards giving an income or a dividend. Right, right. It's right. not typically an appreciation of value. And then cash is cash. You know, cash is, is that hedge, uh, I guess I would call it, as to help protect against volatility. Right. So when you're thinking about income, and again, one of the things that we talk about a lot, and I think you're exactly right, we're talking about these income generating investments. But what's the big risk to this that a lot of people don't take into consideration? That, you know, that will eat up this return. And again, it's insidious. It's something you don't see. And it's something that if you've been parked in cash, you're absolutely subject to. Well, that's to. a great point. Uh, and I would say that's inflation without a doubt. You know, today, in fact, I think back uh, as we were talking earlier this morning, back in the 70s, I had CDs that were paying 13%. <laughs> that's okay. just hard to imagine. Now, I wish CD I still had those CDs. <laughs> yeah. If I could have bought a 50-year CD paying 13%, that would have been great. If I could buy those today? Right. <laughs> yeah. But I reviewed a portfolio uh, that a client brought in the other day, and they had CDs that were maturing, and these were handsome amounts they had invested, all paying a quarter of a percent. Quarter of a percent. Because wow. there's just not the interest out there to pay them. Right. You know, right. we want to we blame the banks or blame the you know, the government or whatever, it's, it's just what it is, okay? There's nothing wrong with, him, with what's going on. But if you tried to live off of a quarter of a percent, and we could, we could do the math, and, you know, that, that'd be a good reason for a visit, it'd take a ton of money to most money. people to be able to support their lifestyle on a quarter percent interest and not use the principal. Well, and as you said, you know, if you're earning a quarter of percent, and depending on what the inflation number is right now, it's about one four, one five. but let's say it gets to the Fed's target of two and you're earning a quarter of percent, guess what? That's a negative 1.75% real rate of return. Exactly. That's a huge opportunity cost for being in cash. And I think we just heard on one of the commercials that uh, Social Security Administration has uh, has agreed to a 2% increase in Social Security benefit going up. So that's great. Um, but if I were to ask a retiree or just anyone else, you know, are your medical expenses only going up at 2%, I dare say you'd say no. Uh, I'd say <laughs> Much no. faster Absolutely than that. Absolutely right. All right, so point number one, we've decided it doesn't matter what you put in your investment portfolio. And I know I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Of course it does matter, but it is not the most important thing. When you're thinking about investing, again, the most important thing is thinking about your time horizon, take the risk that you can take, uh, that the market won't spook you out of the market and stick with it for a long time. Well, and I'd say all the, you know, back to is that the most important decision. The other thing you've got to think about is, is that, there's a study that showed that 30% of the people between age 60 and 75 
have recognized, do not realize that uh, by deferring their Social Security by two years or working two years longer, it would have more impact than if they had to save 3% of their salary for the five years prior, just prior to retirement. So just deferring, taking your Social Security, deferring your date of retirement has much more impact than the amount you saved in those final years. Well, and David, that brings us in a great point, but brings us to our second question. Should everyone plan to retire and start taking their Social Security at age 65? Why on earth would I wait to age 70 if I could take it at 65? I want my money now. I've already paid the government. Great point. And, you know, as we know, you can apply for your Social Security benefit as early as 62. Exactly. So, uh, you know, so the example there, well, I better get it now. I may not live long enough to get it all. Well, right. But uh, we've also seen many studies, and we have the capacity in our office to look at a Social Security study for a, for an individual or for a couple and kind of give them a break point. But the point is, is that if you're going to live a long time and studies and statistics show that most people are going to live longer than anticipated, right? then by taking it early, you have basically uh, guaranteed yourself a lower total payout over your lifetime from Social Security than it had you delayed. So I'll give you an example here. Uh, and, and before I say that, let me, let me confirm one point you make is that many people confuse uh, starting Medicare, Medicare Part A, which starts at age 65, as the date they have to start Social Security, and that is incorrect. Right. You can start Medicare and still delay taking your Social Security benefit. So, you know, one reason to consider that is by delaying taking Social Security from age 62, so if you could start, so you could at, 62. start at 62, you don't take it at 62, right. but you're not at your full retirement age. That's at 62. right. You could wait till 70 and you've increased your benefit on average about 7% per year by delaying. Okay. So if you want an easy way to get a higher guaranteed income in the future, delay taking your social security. And this is guaranteed income. And guaranteed that's, that's income. the key. That's correct. Guaranteed income. Now, we also hear that, and again, it's one of the things that the, the financial media has done for us is they've, they've put this story out there. The Social Security is going bankrupt. The trust fund is not going to exist. You know, we have our friend Al Gore that's told us that for years. So what, what would you say about that, David? Uh, well, Al did invent the Internet, so he's a pretty smart guy. Um, <laughs> and put I, the lockbox in it, I think. Yeah, and, but I would say this. Um, you know, I believe Social Security system's strong. There's always threats to anything. Absolutely. It, so I'm not trying to predict the future. Uh, however, uh, just from a standpoint of um, uh, the amount of income coming out, the amount of that's being paid in, uh, I, I don't believe that's a hard fix. And I'm not going to get into the politics of that. But uh, I think the bigger issue is w- we fear about things that are less likely to happen. Okay? So um, it's like the old Pareto principle. Uh, 80% of our fears are warranted on the 20% of the things that, you know. That's right. We worry about really low probability you events. You got it. So here's the bigger issue. Um, we've got to think about, and I keep coming back to this, retirement income, retirement income, retirement income. But guess what it's all about? Retirement income. Right. And so we've got to make wise choices. One of those is making a wise choice about when we take Social Security. It's not just based on our own life, but if we're married and if that spouse makes less than us, then guess what? They're going to get a benefit to our Social Security in the future as well. And the longer we delay, the more we increase their benefit as well. So it's not necessary, obviously, that we we make the perfect decision, but we want to be as accurate as we can. 
Well, good points, David. And I would throw out one more statistic when we're thinking about Social Security, and this is one that I love to look at. Just as the numbers as they exist today, if we don't make a single change, that yes, the trust fund will go absolutely bankrupt by 2035. So does that mean that our benefits are going away? No, it means your benefit, worst case, trust fund goes bankrupt by 2035, your benefit's going to be reduced to 77% of the amount it's at now. And that is going to last through 2091. So the worst case, as we sit right now, is you get 77% of your benefit through 2091 and that covers most of us but like you said you know when it gets to be unsustainable we'll fix it and there's some fairly easy fixes to social security it's just politically it's not a great uh, thing to run on because it doesn't seem to work well it's always a third rail of politics well i don't want to sound selfish but i think 2991 gets beyond when i need it yeah i think it's gonna work for me (laughs) (laughs) if you're just joining us i'm keith quinn here with david rochester and landon mills of course we're here every friday morning from eight to nine on talk money here on am 990 and fm 107.9 the voice we're going to take a quick break go to charles osgood for the osgood file we're going to come back and get the other four questions from david that you need to think about before you retire and then what does it mean when we talk about providing alpha to a client stick around we will be right back Have a question you'd like answered on the program? Email talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. You're listening to Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990 and FM 107.9, The Voice. I'm Keith Quinn, in for Jim Shoemaker. And, of course, Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, which has been providing estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. would always encourage you to reach out to Mac Bailey uh, with any issues you have in that area. I'm here in the studio with David Rochester and Landon Mills. David, we're talking about retirement income and retirement planning and questions we need to ask. So here's another question. Can we withdraw a flat dollar amount thinking about the money that we've saved up our whole lives or a percentage of our retirement assets? And is that going to be enough to let the portfolio grow and last our whole lives? Can we just pick a dollar amount and that's going to work? It would be nice if it were that simple. It Pete. would be, wouldn't it? Uh, and, you know, we, we've in the past, I know back when my dad retired, he had a railroad pension and, and Social Security. And, right. And, you know, my, my mother kept working longer, so it was pretty easy at that point. Um Plus, you had CDs paying, like I said earlier, you know, high teen, or at least in the teens. So they had more than enough money coming in from an income standpoint. They didn't need to touch principal. Right. But as we talked about earlier, you've got uh, interest-bearing investments that just don't do that anymore. Uh, and yet pe- people still have in their mind that they can just live on the interest. As we said earlier, it takes a lot of money to be able to do that. So today, uh, because of low interest-bearing and low dividend-paying investments, uh, it becomes more about total return. To specifically answer your question, because we are dealing with volatility of total return, if you took out a flat dollar amount right. or a flat percentage and you increase that number each year, you stand a greater risk of running out of money during your lifetime. So the answer is no. Typically, you shouldn't take a flat dollar amount or a flat percentage. Now, studies have shown in the past, this is a relatively old study now, that if you started taking 4% of your initial balance and then and, and you took that for 30 years, you'd be okay. 
current research says, because of what we've just discussed, that number could be significantly lower. Could be lower. And I think, as, as again, as we've said before, timing is everything. You know, if you look at uh, starting to take income in the middle of 2008 or starting to take income last year, totally different scenarios. Right. And the other thing is, you know, if a, if a client looks or a person looks at their uh, at their account and says, well, I'm, I was up 8% last year. So I'm just going to 8% of, of uh, last year's balance. I mean, I made the money, so I should be fine, right? Right. But, you know, we could get into this discussion of what's called sequence of returns. What if we have a few negative returns and you've now taken out that dollar amount based on the return you'd had from the year before? You could significantly deplete the amount you have and not be able to recover that. Well, now, David, let me ask you a question. If I've been a client, let's say, hypothetically, I've been a client of yours for the last 10 years. And let's say over the last 10 years, my portfolio with you is averaged 7%. Okay. Uh, well, that means I can take out 7% a year. Yeah, but what's the problem with averages, Keith, when we think about averages? Well, right? I don't know. What's the problem? It sounds to me like that's 7% every year. Well, averages, you know, half half the numbers are above and half of the numbers are below. We don't know which one that is. And so we don't want to base it on averages. Right. And I think you've got to be more conservative in retirement just as a whole. Um, because no matter what we're in, we're going to deal with volatility. If we had a 1% CD Two years ago, we're not getting that today. So we even have volatility, if you want to look at it that way, in terms of fixed interest rate type of, uh, of investments. I think one of the things we've got to also consider is a conservative uh, a withdrawal rate based on total portfolio needs to be integrated with income streams coming from pension, Social Security, maybe trust funds, other sources of income, maybe rental income, whatever the right. sources of income there are. Um, but also, um, if, if we've looked at the numbers and realized it's just not enough to be guaranteed and we want our basic needs met with guaranteed income. Let me just say that, okay? So normal living expenses should be met through guaranteed income. That allows us to go through volatility of investments better than if we've got everything dependent on a more volatile portfolio. Absolutely. So how do we do that? You know, maybe we take some of some of the uh, accumulated portfolio and we annuitize it or pensionize it. In other words, where it's going to pay an income stream irregardless of market volatility. Right. That gives us a little more flexibility for the long-term investments work with those to try and uh, regrow them back. Because I can tell you without hesitation that the best investment in retirement, if you've got a 30-year retirement, is owning stocks, uh, except that stocks are volatile. That's exactly right. And that comes into the income equation. And so if I'm taking out a steady percentage or a steady dollar amount, and that stock, as you described it, is down 20 30%, I've still got to have the dollar amount. That's right. So now my account's down plus my withdrawal. That could be really hard to try and recover that the next year or the next few years. So, David, let me ask you this, and this is another one of the questions we need to think about before you retire. So is it that complicated to manage a retirement portfolio, retirement assets portfolio, so you can take the income without losing your principal? I think it really is because it does require a lot of knowledge of investment decisions. Uh, we, we talked about asset allocation earlier, how to properly allocate your assets across different investments, uh, different uh, classes, different types of instruments. How much to withdraw without depleting it? You know, people are living longer and longer, uh, as we've talked about on the show before. You know, we've got a grandmother in our family that's 104 now, and she's just plugging right along. So, you know, you're talking about 30, 40 years in retirement that you have to have enough money to support that, uh, or otherwise you take the risk of running out of money and becoming dependent on other people. I think that is a great point and a great way to look at it. Again, always looking at it through the, the lens of financial planning. And I think this also plays a little bit into, you know, what Landon is going to talk to us about and how we evaluate an advisor and, and what value does an advisor add, the term advisor's alpha. So let's uh, uh, wrap up with retirement income and retirement planning, move a little bit into advisor's alpha right after we take a quick break. But first, uh, let's take a break and go to Rebecca Brazier to our listen to our Mid-South History Moment. Uh, I'm Keith Quinn, in for Jim Shoemaker. I will be right back with David Rogers. 
Rochester and Landon Mills to talk to us about Advisors Alpha. sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. For the most courageous among us, handicaps are no obstacle to greatness. When the steamboat Emmy Norman had an onboard explosion after a freak accident, with no other boats around, all seemed hopeless. But Tom Lee, a river worker returning to Memphis alone from Arkansas, acted without hesitation. When he witnessed the Emmy Norman capsize, he steered his 28-foot skiff to the site of the accident and rescued 32 people from the powerful undertow of the river, despite not being able to swim. Without regard for his personal safety, he made five trips to shore and continued to search during the night for survivors. Without Lee's decisive intervention, the entire boat would have sunk with all hands. The passengers Lee rescued were engineers and their families attending a convention in Memphis. To show their gratitude, the Memphis Engineers Club raised enough money to buy a house for Lee and his family. Today in the park, named in Lee's honor, a bronze statue memorializes his heroism. This has been another Mid-South History Moment. Brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services do not provide specific tax and or legal advice. And this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. And now, here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back to Talk Money. I'm Keith Quinn in for Jim Shoemaker. We've been talking about some questions you need to ask before you enter retirement, uh, and we're going to bring that back to how an advisor can actually add value to a client. But David, we talked a lot about, you know, asset allocation, uh, you know, how much money can you withdraw, uh, you know, what should we invest in, stocks, bonds, cash, uh, and all of that's interesting, but how does that help you with the more fundamental stuff. Again, that's technical aspects of managing a portfolio. But when you get into retirement, what are some other issues that are critically important, if not even more important, than how you set up your portfolio? Well, I think we've got to be primarily careful about how we spend our money. It's easy, left to our own means, to anticipate we're not going to live a long time. We get this negative attitude. Maybe something occurred you know, in our health. And we think, I'm just not going to live that long, so let's just live for today and spend and um you mentioned earlier, looking at your assets, looking at your retirement through the lens of a plan, I think is is critical. And having an objective look at that, it's it's hard even for me to look at my own portfolio and my anticipated future retirement and be completely objective about that. Sure. And and just like going to a doctor, you need somebody who's going to look at everything and give you an objective view of that, and and really hold your hand when you're thinking about how you're spending your money during retirement, um, because there's a lot of things we want to do but we have to do it with temperance and we have to have good management. And I think uh, having someone or having uh, other people looking at what we're doing besides just us is critical. And so, you know, I think we, we talk about things of, of how we can uh, bring an advisor into that picture. Well, now, Landon, so if we have an advisor and we're talking about an advisor's value, so, so tell us. Tell us if that's what you're talking about when you, when you mean it, when you say advisor's alpha and what you truly mean by that. Well, I, I would just like to say, I said this earlier, I think the, the best thing that we can bring to the table is if you can just tell me when you're going to die, we could have this thing nailed down. He could get this plan <laughs> tight if we knew that. Yeah. 
Well, I, mean, I will say this. I think a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today, in, in my perspective, comes down to making a decision. Making a decision, okay. Okay. So if you, if you just look at the, uh, the context of making a decision, uh, what, I, what I mean when I say that is I try to get my clients to make a rational decision. And a specifically a rational decision when uh, we've, we've been talking about how the market has been going up, but we all know that the market goes down. That's when rational decisions really come into play. And so many times people let their emotions take over their decision making. And so that's, that's where I think, um, I know David does with his clients, I do with my clients, especially if you're talking about an emotional thing like retirement, I think it all comes down to making rational decisions. Um, I guess to make, to, to make it a little bit easier to understand, if if an advisor can help you make a rational decision, especially in a stressful market situation, whereas if you didn't have that advisor and you made that decision, um, and then the the decision that the advisor helps you make could potentially get you a uh, a higher return, then that's a good rational decision that you've made with the help of of someone who is taking a look at it through the lens of objectivity as opposed to uh, being subjective. So, Landon, I'll ask a question just to follow sure. up on that. It's easy, I think, as 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 an investor to say, well, you know, last year we did really good in large cap growth. Why don't we just do more of that this year? I mean, uh, U.S. companies are doing well, so why don't we just keep doing more of the same? Well, it, it goes back to the, the, ad, the age-old principle of if you keep doing more of the same, at some point uh, that may not be working out. And, you know, yes, the U.S. is doing great right now. Valuations are a little high, but you have to look at it through the the context of, you know, at some point the U.S. might not be doing as well. Uh, There may be some other opportunities, you know, and other uh, investment opportunities out there that may be doing a little bit better. And, And that's where you have to, I guess, look at the broad market and say, you know, is there somewhere else that I could be putting my money that might make a little bit more sense at this time? Absolutely. And you always think about diversification, you know, as we always do. Growth has, David's exactly right, growth has had a phenomenal year. But does that mean you load up on growth? You know, there's two sides to the emotional coin. There's fear that we saw in 2008 and there's greed. Uh, And we see greed a little bit now when we have these phenomenal returns. When you're up 30% in a year, yeah, you want some more of that. But the problem is, without my uh, crystal ball, I just can't see what the next 12 months are going to bring. Well, and I, I think you bring up a good point. Let's talk about greed. Um, I think with the concept of greed, you also get into the concept of uh, this is easy. You know, I can do this. Everybody's making money. Uh, everybody's making money. Why don't I just take a dart, throw it at the wall, whatever it lands on, that's probably going to do right. good. So um, that's there's nothing rational about that. If, right. if you were to say, take the most uh, meaningful decisions you've made in your life, and if you threw a dart and said, that's what I'm going to do, I mean, nobody lives their life that way. And that, I don't think anybody should invest their money that way. I completely agree. Landing back to that, you know, because the market has done so well, uh, have we ever seen circumstances like this before where the market really did well and maybe it didn't turn out quite like everybody thought it would continue? Gosh, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe 1999, 2000, uh, again, 2008. Um, Yeah, and there's always going to be. And that's what I try to talk to my clients about is it's not pie in the sky. Things don't keep going on forever. It doesn't necessarily mean when things go down, it's just going to go down forever either. It's just the way the market runs. It runs in ups and downs. 
Well, and I think you, you, you made a great point. And Landon, you talked about it earlier even when you think about fundamentals. So if you know the fundamental reasons you own an investment, you're much less likely to second guess your ownership of that investment, regardless of what the market's doing. But if you bought it on emotion, uh, then absolutely, you'll give up on it in a heartbeat. Uh, and that's what we want to avoid. We want to avoid you know making these emotional short-term decisions. So Landon, you're telling us that that is something that an advisor could help a client to do. Now, yeah. understand this. If you if your advisor kept you from going to cash in 2008, so in 2008 when the S&P 500 crashed 57%, there were a lot of people that wanted to get out of the market. There were the headline news that was telling us it was going lower, lower, it was Dow 5000, it was a nightmare scenario. If you got out of the market, then you probably had a pretty bad scenario cuz you missed 2009. If your advisor talked you out of making that move, helped you make a rational decision as Landon has told us, that has totally changed uh, your retirement outlook completely changed it but that will never show up on your account statement oh it, it won't and okay but let's go back to 2008 would you say the majority of people stayed in the market in 2008 i think the majority probably did but i know some got spooked out well i i, I, I would say this the majority left to their own decision making not i would with, i would totally agree with that the yeah. majority without professional advice probably got spooked out yes yeah. they probably got spooked out and as a result the market is bad Investments are bad. Look what happened to me. And, you know, and that that is pure emotion. And and that's just unfortunately, that's the way human nature is. Um, and, but and the other thing back. I would say about that, though, is that's a mistake that you can never recover from. If you make a big oh, mistake like that on the investment I side, agree. you'll never make and it And that's also something that it's hard to get people to understand when you're looking. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Absolutely. But when you get somebody to take a look back and say, well, what if you had not done? Well, it, you I know, wouldn't have just, done that. Yeah. Sure. sure. I, you know, I, I have to go back to, you know, what an, what an advisor brings to the table. And we're talking about just making rational decisions from an investment standpoint. But let's talk about rational decisions from a financial planning standpoint to say there's more to the there's more to this than just investments. We try to look at estate planning. We try to look at insurance planning. We try to look at tax planning. All of those uh, things are important to your whole financial health. And that's one of the things that an advisor I think brings to the table. Excellent points, Landon. And let's come back and talk about that a little bit more, about thinking about this through the lens of financial planning. First, let's take a quick break, uh, but we will be right back. I'm Keith Quinn in for Jim Shoemaker. We're speaking with Landon Mills about how you can tell if an advisor is truly valuable. Stick around. We will be right back. Podcast of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money. Neither asset allocation nor diversification guarantee against loss. There are methods used to manage risk. 
Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. You're listening to Talk Money, and now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990 and FM 107.9, The Voice. I'm Keith Quinn here with Landon Mills and David Rochester. Landon's talking to us about Advisors Alpha, Financial Advisors Alpha. And Landon, we talked about making some decisions, but I know you want to talk a little bit about the the process and best practices. So what does that mean in the context of, 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 of the value that an advisor would provide a client? Well, I'm glad you bring that up. We've been talking about making decisions, but how do you make a decision? You have processes that you go through. So let's talk about some of the best practices uh, that I think that a well that a financial advisor, financial planner brings to the table. Uh, one thing that we brought up already: proper asset allocation. Proper asset allocation—that's a given. Um, the other thing that I don't think a lot of people really understand that we have the ability to bring to the table is low-cost institutional investments. Low-cost. I'm not going to get into the weeds on that, but just understand that it—that is one of the things that we look at and that we do take into perspective when we're when we're building portfolios. And I always take that one personally. And I would say that you know it's not the lowest-cost investment, but we always want the lowest-cost investment for the investment that fits in our portfolio. Yeah. Well, and. and there's always a cost to everything, so the lowest Absolutely. cost as it pertains to the return that you're going to get. Absolutely. Great way to say um, it. Let's, let's look at focus on total return. We, I think David touched on that a little bit, total return, not just market return, which, right. you're, which you're going to see in the media, but what did the rest of your investment bring? Absolutely. Dividends, capital gains, things of that nature. Um, and then one that I always do, and a lot of people don't understand the, the terminology, is a rebalance. You need to be rebalancing your investments on a regular basis. So tell us, what exactly does that mean? Well, it goes back to the allocation of your uh, uh, allocation of your investments is over time, let's take a 12-month period, some of those investments are going to do a little bit better than maybe some of the other ones. Right. And what happens is at the end of a 12-month period, let's say, you want to rebalance, which you're basically selling off some of the stuff that has done better, buying some of the stuff that has not done better. But what does that ultimately get to? Investment 101, Warren Buffett, buy low, sell high. Absolutely. When you rebalance, you have to understand that you are doing exactly that, and you've been hearing that you know, since you were a kid. Yeah, but so, Landon, why would I want to sell my stocks that have done so well this year? You know, again, I'm up 30%. You want me to sell that? Well, that, yes. <laughs> Human nature would tell you, let's keep going. But right. what we've been talking about all day today is that things aren't just going to keep going up forever and ever. Plus... If, if something is down, there's a good chance it's going to come back up. And wouldn't we rather buy in when it's down? And that, Absolutely. And it's also you protecting me from myself because why do I want to keep riding that? Greed. That's right. That's right. Uh, the last two points, distribution planning and uh, relationship building. I, I, I want to hit on the last one here in a little bit. But, you know, David talked a lot about distribution planning, meaning, right. okay, if I'm going to have to start taking my money, what's the best places to start taking it from? What's the what, what's not going to deplete all of my assets and what's going to give me the longest run, I would say, on, on building an income. Uh, and then the last point, relationship building. This one I could spend all day on, but I'll just make just some quick points. If you're going to work with somebody, make sure it's somebody that you like. Make sure it's somebody that you can have a conversation with. We all go to doctors. We all go to dentists. We all have we may at some point have an attorney that we need. Nobody's going to work with somebody they don't like. And, right. and they're not going to work with somebody that they can't have a heart-to-heart conversation on about some, you know, very uh, personal things. So 
have a relationship with your advisor. I, I, and I just think, guys, that that is so key. I mean, we are not talking about, and sadly, there are a lot of people in our profession who have given our profession a bad name. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of people out there who are purely transactional, who's going to sell you a product and you'll never see them again. That's absolutely that is right. not what we do, and that is not what a financial planner does. I agree, and I think that's one of the first points that you have to hit on when you sit down with somebody is to say, look, I'm here for the relationship, not just to sell you something. Right. Well, I would say this, Landon, and I think also what you're describing is through relationship, we have transparency. I agree. And in order, just like with a physician, if you're going in for an annual checkup, guess what? A lot of times they're going to say, hey, put the gown on. I know it's a little little breezy in the back, but we've got to, <laughs> we've got to do a full thorough checkup here. Yeah. And so that means we've got to be transparent. I agree. Okay? And so from the side of seeking advice from an advisor, we have to be willing to tra- be transparent. I'm not going to be real transparent with somebody I don't know real well. I agree. Okay. I agree. And, it, you know, going back to that transparency is if you really want help, if you truly want to take somebody's advice, you're going to have to let them know, you know, why, why are we talking? Why are we in here today? Uh, and you, you got to be transparent. You got to, you got to be open. You got to be honest. You got to throw everything out on the table. I always like to say that. I, let's put everything out on the table and let's get to the heart of the matter. And when we're talking about our health, it's easy to identify. I think a lot of times we're talking about what we want to achieve financially. We just want to say, I want more more return. I want sure. more money. But it really comes down to goals, doesn't it? I agree. I, I mean, everybody, there you go. There again, human nature. Who doesn't want more money? But why do we want the more? Why do we want more money? Mostly it's probably to take care of ourselves, take care of our families, and ensure the, the longevity of our, you know, of our name. Great point. And so it's, you know, you can always say, I want more, more money. But ultimately, you know, why do you want the more money? How important is it that we stay the course once we've identified goals with our advisor? I agree. I, and that is another thing that is, it, it is very important. It's hard to do because the emotion comes into play. But there again, that's what an advisor can bring to the table because he looks at it from an objective lens, not a subjective lens. And he says, you know what, even th- though things are down or bad or good, things are going to change. Another great point. And I think that's so important to have that relationship where you feel comfortable sharing with your advisor. And again, ultimately, sometimes our job is to tell people the hard truths, to be totally honest with them, uh, to tell them if they need to reduce their spending. That's something we got to talk about. And again, that's what a good advisor can bring to the table. I want to thank Landon, David. Thank you guys. Great job. Enjoyed having you in. If you want to reach out to either one of these guys, they're great resources. Just call them at Shoemaker Financial, 901-757-5757. Again, Landon Mills and David Rochester. Hope you can join us next week. Uh, I will be here with Jim Shoemaker. We're going to have Rusty Leonard uh, on the show. Rusty is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners. Some great insights on the market. I want to thank Gilworth, Francis Fortner, Eleanor Moskowitz, and Tommy Armstrong. Keith Quinn, David Rochester, and Landon Mills are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.